so do you do you have any before we like yes do you have any title pitches no <laughs> I okay forgot. i have two title pitches great um the first one of which is something along the lines of podcast and podcast a tinted podcast to be precise a ding dong podcast something along those <laughs> lines playing with the whole Thompson on Thompson shtick yes um that's probably my sensible uh suggestion my other suggestion is Yanish, have you heard of the anime known as bo 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 no Okay, well, there's an anime called Bo 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 Bo. Uh-huh. I don't know what it's about. I just know that it's called Bo 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 Bo. My suggestion yes, is therefore, do you see where this is going? I I I'm trying to get an idea. Yeah. <laughs> what if every week I say hello and welcome to Tan Tan San to Tan Tan San? Um. That's. A... I'm not accepting Imagine... constructive criticism. <laughs> Imagine trying to like plug your podcast on a different <laughs> podcast and you're like I have a I have a Tintin podcast and it's called Tintin 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 Tintin. Yeah, <laughs> it's like jazz, you know. It's we gotta dun, go dun, with dun, that dun, one. Dun, dun. the thing. <laughs> is that it? You're just gonna lie down and accept that our podcast be called Tintin 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 Tintin. It's such an absurd name for a podcast. It's it's so. <laughs> It goes so against everything that the podcast name should be that I can't, like, say no. Okay. Do you want to introduce the podcast? Welcome to Tan 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 to Tan Tan Tan, the newest and only Tintin podcast that is ongoing, as we find, as we figured out recently. Um, Thanks, Google. I'm your host, Janosz. I'm your host, Sarah. What are we doing here, Sarah? i dealing with uh, the politics of this comic's origin currently. Um, Talking about ideology for comics that were somehow just like readily accessible for kids um, yeah. in like the early 2000 or mid 2000s. Uh, actually, I have. OK, actually. So first of all, hello, this is Dintin Podcast. Um, we are going to be talking about uh, Cigars of the Pharaoh um, this week. We are going to probably go in order through the rest of them mostly. Yes. But you, you may be sitting there, dear listeners, saying, oh, that's not the first Tinted volume. Um, Where's Tintin in the land of the Soviets? My favorite. Okay, I have a quick Wikipedia page or Wikipedia sentence that threw me on my ass and will perfectly explain <laughs> why we're not talking about uh, the other, uh-huh. the previous ones. <clears throat> um, I just listened. This said really, yeah. So, uh, Vale, who's the editor, ordered Hoshe to set his first adventure in the Soviet Union to act as anti-socialist propaganda for children. Ventus had his second adventure in the Belgian Congo to encourage colonial settlement, and to set his third adventure in the United States to use the story as a denunciation of American capitalism. On a personal level, I'm not ready for that, so we're starting with Cigars of the Pharaoh. I'm ready to denounce American capitalism. Actually, but, yeah, that's true. Uh, 
Yeah, maybe we should have started with Captain America. <laughs> it was, you know, not too harsh with theory uh, <laughs> things about, like, the ultra-conservative newspaper that FJ was writing for at this point. Um, but, you know, it's, like, when I... I guess we can, like, get into our histories uh, of, of, of reading the Tintin books, but uh, it, f- for me, because it kind of ties, it ties into this, is that for me, when I was, like, 10, 11, um, they just had all of the Tintin books in, in, like, the local library, so I was just reading them there, and they, in- they included, like, they had the first three. Uh, Tintin in the Land of the Soviets is unreadable. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that, that one hasn't even been like redrawn. Uh, yeah, I wonder why. Uh-huh. But Tintin in Congo has been <laughs> redrawn weirdly. <laughs> and it was, it's just strange that they had those at the like kit section of the public library, I guess. Um, like that book is really about how it has been told to, um, to write about how, what a great job the Belgians are doing in the Congo. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, besides the fact that, uh, which which we will get into with the guide of the Pharaoh, besides the fact that Erge should not be drawing black people, <laughs> mm-hmm. because it's not, it looks... Like that, yeah. It looks like that. Be- besides that, it's also just about how Tintin goes into Congo as like a reporter to like look at what Belgium is doing in the colonies and he says that it's good and he shows about how they're building schools now for the uneducated Africans how how, great stuff that is so that was pretty bad besides all of that the first three books are also just like incredibly boring like as we have alluded to it um, these have been published in like a newspaper so it was just like a page a week I guess or a day yeah so he was clearly making it up on the spot and for this book for Cigars of the Pharaoh it's the first one where he had like kind of a plot yeah I wouldn't go as far to say it yeah it was a plot but sort of like the end of the book almost refers to the start of the book there's which some is a things start. that are set up at the start that yeah uh, yeah for the ending whereas in like Tintin in America it's just like every page is a new thing that he sees in America so yeah yeah and I actually like I I have I, for these ones I have most of the early ones in uh paperback here. Um, so I'm currently holding in my hands a copy of Cigars of the Pharaoh, and actually because I have I have Tintin in America in French, uh, because uh-huh. I I we moved to India when I was a kid and I went to a French speaking school. So to encourage me and help me learn French, my parents bought me a bunch of like Tintins and asterisks in French. So I have a copy of Tintin en Amérique and I have Cigars of the Pharaoh. And you turn them over to the back and you can see all the other Tintin volumes that you can uh-huh. buy and collect. And uh, on the uh, English version, it says, collect all 22 of these adventures. Uh-huh. And then on the French version, it says, 24 titres disponibles. Um, and you're thinking, what's missing? So you look at the start and in the English one, it says Tintin in the land of the Soviets. And then it goes straight to Tintin in America. Tintin in Tintin o Congo was never translated into English. Interesting. Like, I think it's been sort of translated as like a collector thing in like the mid 2000s, but like yes. literally, Tanzania o Congo was not accessible to me as a child. I had no idea this existed, and I'm quite glad. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't good. Like I like besides besides the racism, it 
it was also just incredibly boring. Like that's terrible. yeah. To talk about my history with uh, Tintin is yeah, I read these as a child, like in the sort of late nineties, early two thousands, and the way that I found them was that we would go on holiday um, to like our family friends little had a little cottage in Donegal where we would go on holiday every year um and our family friends uh they had they had a little white dog the little white dog's name was in fact snowy and their holiday cottage was just like full of every single tintin um so like every year we would go and like everyone would be like hey we're gonna go to the beach and I'm like no I'm gonna stay here and read and I would just like read through all the tintins like every summer um and it's like, I haven't really read them since then. Um, and like, since being a child, so I can't really remember much about what happens in them. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I think it's like, kind, of, kind of where I, st- I... I have reread some of them. Like, I've read most of them when I was like, be- like between like ages 10 to 13, I mm-hmm. think. Um I have reread some of them when I was like seventeen or eighteen, but like you know the classics, like the yeah, the uh, Secrets of the Unicorn, Red Rackham's Treasure, you know those mm-hmm. Destination Moon, like the the Golden Age of Tintin. These yeah. early ones I have not reread. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think like I mostly like the comics we had in the in like our house were all all the asterixes. Whereas yes. like the Tintins were at our friend's house, so I never got much as much as a chance to read them. Like Asterix, I know like in out upside down. Um, whereas like Tintins, I'm like yeah, I vaguely remember there was yeah. a little guy with a little dog. Yeah, I read the I read the Asterixes before Tintin. Like those were the first mm-hmm. ones I read, and then like you speaking of people like... who should not be drawing black people. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> look, all the. Co- I, I do have this theory that we're like the last generation that reads those as kids. Um, yeah, yeah. Because, cause like, I, I can't imagine, like, today's kids to, like, pick up, like, an old comic from, like, the 40s. Uh, it's, and then just be immediately disgusted. And they wouldn't know. Like, I, I don't think my, like, my, my sister, who is, like, 10 years younger than me, um, I don't think when she was at that age she would like she would have known she would just not have been interested in it because there's so much other stuff out there yeah yeah uh, kids they could be reading Jujutsu Kaisen yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they could be could be reading My Hero Academia which is not problematic at all <laughs> it's fine don't worry about it it is that that might be one constant that there's always going to be problematic kids media that um you'll only find out later why they're bad um yeah, I do think some of the Tintins are good. I think I think once we get to like Destination Moon, um, those yeah. are gonna hold up. Uh, yeah, actually, technically, be... we're already at Destination Moon because it's in this yeah, one. It's in this one. <laughs> it's here. There's like a point he did that where uh, where Eje stops like making them about like exotic countries and instead starts writing about made up Balkan countries. Yeah. So, you know, if you make up a country, you can avoid racism famously. You can make up a country to be racist at. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, do you want to talk about uh, the adventures of Tintin, the Cigars of the Pharaoh? Let's talk about the adventures of Tintin, Cigars of the Pharaoh. Actually, I noticed on the French version, it says the adventures of, like, Tintin Milu. So, I English, yeah. this is Snowy Erasure. Like, it snowy should be Tintin in, and Snowy. Like, in German, they're also called Timonstropi, because they... 
they changed Tintin's name to Tim, which is just like a no- normal name. <laughs> just that is pretty short. normal. But like Tim 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 doesn't have as much as no. podcast title written. <laughs> yeah, but in German, the Snow is also uh, the second main character, which uh, she's gonna stop being it like once Haddock shows up. But uh... yeah, I forgot that like Snowy speaks. Right, <laughs> same. But like, just has his own like internal monologue. I wa- I wonder if it's like a Garfield thing because it's not speech bubbles. Uh, or it's not like thought bubbles, it's speech bubbles, but... Uh, but it's yeah. like, Tintin only responds whenever like he barks. Yeah. Like, But this does like open up with, like, so, so the first page of this, uh, it's like, we see big ship, Tintin is it's on it. It's just like the Columbo episode where he was on a cruise ship. It's just like the Columbo episode where he's on the cruise ship. Um, did he have his dog with him? Columbo? I have seen that episode, yeah. Does Columbo have a dog? I've only, watched, dog, yeah. I've only watched one Columbo episode, it was the one where he was on a cruise ship. I think the dog might just show up in, at, at later points then. Uh, we have, in, in, in Hungary, in, in Budapest, there's a famous uh, Columbo statue, uh, <gasps> like Columbo and his dog. Oh my god, I need to go to Budapest right now. <laughs> it is highly bewildering for tourists why there's a statue of Columbo. And the thing is, Columbo is extremely popular in Hungary, in in like ways that that was just like throughout the like eighties, that was all that was on TV. So it's damn. Just, it's just like established. Like I, I've seen someone post in a Discord about how they only learned about Columbo through Twitter memes, which is like insane to me. <laughs> That's anyway. They're on, they're on this crew, the Columbo cruise ship, and Tintin mm-hmm. is talking to uh, to Snowy, and this is. I will say this this beginning part incredibly charming. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I love this about Tintin is that he's just <laughs> he's just a guy who's perfectly comfortable with just talking to his dog. Yeah, yeah. He's just like, yeah, we're vibing. We're on holiday, and Snowy Snowy's very bloodthirsty. I I, <laughs> I forgot about this. Snowy's like, oh god, I wish someone would fall overboard so that this would be a bit more interesting. At which point, uh-huh. someone falls overboard. Um. Yeah, and we meet this sort of uh, nutty professor character who I genuinely thought was the professor from later in the books because I couldn't remember his name. He looks a lot like him. He looks he's design. Yeah, and he introduces himself as uh, what's his name? It's ridiculous. It's uh, Professor Sophocles Sarcophagus. Yeah, yeah, and like I read this and I was like, I don't, I don't remember that being the professor's no. name, but I'll just go with this. I, I guess this is that guy. Well, I, I didn't know because I uh, read those in German, and his German name is different. Like his mm. English name is Professor Calculus. Yeah, um, yeah. What the fuck is his German name? Professor Sonnenblum is his German name, which is um, the <laughs> like French that. name is Professor Tournesol, which is also just sunflower. Oh. That's nice. But we'll meet him in like yeah, eventually. 10 episodes. He shows up pretty late. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so we meet this uh, Sophocles sarcophagus. He's like lost his uh, papyrus that shows him where the pharaoh's tomb is that he wants to find. Um, and this is the last tomb of the pharaoh kiosk, which, mm. yes, is supposed to sound like kiosk. Supposed to sound um, like the kiosks where Levantium was sold, the newspaper where, like, that's the Wikipedia says that that's why it's called that because Tintin was sold at the kiosks. Sure, sure, Ajay. God, like, sorry, I'm just the keyboard le petit vingtième, the like, <laughs> the, the, the newspaper. 
just the words conservative Catholic newspaper like yeah. allure me every time. I feel like I've been punched in the face. Um, and See, I've actually, known that it was published in a newspaper. I didn't really know the background for it. So, okay, so if you you click through onto the page for the like like editor of the newspaper, whose name was yes. Norbert Vollet. Sorry, Abbe Norbert Vollet. Um, uh-huh. And you read his uh, Wikipedia through. It's like a one little paragraph, and it says his ultra conservative ideology was influenced by Charles Morat. I don't actually know anything about this, but the second sentence says he was also a great admirer of Mussolini, whom he had visited <laughs> during a trip to Italy in 1923. He had a signed portrait of the dictator on his office wall. Which dude's rock. Dude's rock. <laughs> great. There's yeah, well we'll get to some other problematic Azure content later. Yeah, we um, we'll we'll have a we'll have our um weekly problematic Azure content later yeah. on, shall we? Uh this guy is super cancelled. I'm gonna put it out there. He's, he wrote some good books later, but Yeah. I mean, the the like most charitable interpretation is that he just like didn't really care about politics and just like wrote for whatever newspaper there was and was yeah. about it. And there's like definitely reports that he was like leaning more progressive later in his life but like at this point you know yeah it's it ain't, it's not a good look son not a good look um yeah so okay so this book like we could go through it like page by page but it doesn't like because it was serialized yeah. it's like everything like a thing gets introduced and then resolved like within kind of every page or every yes. spread um, and like some of it connects to each other, some of it doesn't. Yeah. Um. So I was thinking, like, we could just go through like every like encounter, like fucking D and D style encounter that Tintin has yes. in this book, and like if we have anything to say about it, go into that. If we don't, just kind of go past it. Sure, that makes sense. Um, because on the cruise ship we meet Sophocles sarcophagus, who will come back later. He's very like ditzy, like he bumps into a ventilator and like says sorry to it and shit. Um, we also meet this uh film director character whose mm. name is uh in English Rastapopoulos. That's also his name in French or German. That's his name uh-huh. everywhere. This is just uh just a guy. He's not gonna matter for for these stories at all. Yeah, don't so worry about him. Fine. He's fine. He He's won't come a film back. Director. Um, but he's mad uh, and kind of like grouchy. We also meet the two most important characters in all of yes. media, the Thompson twins. Thompson and Thompson. I, I, do you think they're twins? It would be very funny if they weren't. Because <laughs> they, they, they only have last names and they're spelled differently. Are they spelled differently? Yes, it's Thompson, uh, spelled T-H-O-M-S-O-N, and Thompson spelled T-O-M-P-S-O-N. Oh my god. I never noticed. And it's the same in it's the same in like in French it's Dupont and Dupont, but one of them is spelled with a D at the end and the other one with a T. Oh yeah, yeah. It says how should I name them Durant and Durand. Yeah. Although later Dupont Dupont. Okay. That's really good. I never noticed that. Um, it's the, you can tell them apart by like one of them has a mustache that like curls up at the side and the other doesn't like the other. Oh my others god, I never out. noticed that. <laughs> I'm like Linguistically and visually dyslexic. Um, there's actually let me let me see if I can find this real quick uh, because there's a there's an image of um, the of like a pho- pho- photograph of like two uh, 
two twin police officers who also have like slightly different um mm-hmm. mustaches and that's like probably what RJ based them on. Uh yeah. It says somewhere in the like various Wikipedia pages I read that he based them on his dad and uncle who were twins. Oh yeah, that that might be, yeah. Except I can't yeah, find this it. website is in French, so I can't tell it apart, but there's a great image of them. Let me send this to you real quick. Ooh, 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 ooh. Uh, there we go. Sent it to you in Discord. That's that's them. <laughs> the, 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 the like slightly different mustache styles on these guys. Yeah, yeah. Janusz, which of these mustache styles do you personally aspire to? Uh, the one on the left. Okay, I'll try the you one, with that the, the one. The one that cover curves up a, a bit more. Because I'm absolutely drawing us as Thompson and Thompson in the cover art. <laughs> Perfect. That's the only option. It These can't guys be anything are so else. great. Like this, I have I have some issues with this book, but Thompson and Thompson are like constantly the best part of it. Yeah, like throughout the book, like Tintin and Snowy get into shit, and like very often they are saved by Thompson and Thompson because they're like, no, we got to arrest you, and therefore we're gonna break you out of jail so that we can personally arrest you. It's a great bit. Yeah, yeah. See, on the boat they arrest uh, Tintin for doing drugs that he didn't do, he escapes. Goes into... Narcotics. That's heroin. That's what they found at him. That, that's that, that's heroin. Uh, uh, great he... stuff to put in your children's comic. There's there's yeah. This I is kinda... this is like fucking heroin dealers is like an ongoing motive in like the early Tintin books. Like yeah, that's what like, is heroin RJ was really upset about. <laughs> like opium. Yeah. Like whatever um so he ends up going into the desert with the doctor sarcophagus. They find the tomb of the pharaoh, uh, pharaoh kiosk, and they go in. Funnily enough, the tomb of the pharaoh has a door with the symbol uh, that has been on some cigars. So the symbol like keeps cropping up. A light um, motif. It's the yeah. only motive in this book. So it really is. And they end up exploring this tomb. We- okay, this is a really cool bit. This is very good. Um, this is kind of the highlight of the book to me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Janos, you want to take this one? Oh, so they go inside these tombs, and there's, uh, you know, a lot of, like, hieroglyphs on the walls, uh, you know, classic, like, the classic Egypt stuff that you see in everywhere, in everything, and then there's just, like, a ton of sarcophaguses lined up with, like, some, uh, people's, uh, bodies, like, mummified in them it's different egyptologists it's it's all like they go like look at all, all at this like row of sarcophagus and it says like E.P. Jacobini egyptologist M. Trenton egyptologist and then there's an there's three empty tombs <laughs> two big ones and one small ones and the big ones are for uh S. Sarcophagus egyptologist Tintin journalist and there's a little one for snowy dog <laughs> this this like rules genuinely inspired comics writing. Thanks, Hergé, you did one thing right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like, the other cool thing about this little sequence is, like, Tintin goes further into the, the tomb, finds, like, more of those cigars, finds, like, uh, Professor Sarcophagus's bits and pieces, and then, like, gets drugged. Yes. And whenever he gets drugged, there's this, like, actually really cool dream sequence, sort of, like, four or five panels 
where like he starts dreaming about like the Thompson twins are there, the the sarcophagus professor is there, and then like people take him and like carry him around and like kidnap him, like but in his dream, and it's like genuinely like very cool. They put the puppy in the sarcophagus. They put the puppy in the sarcophagus. It's yeah, this dream sequence is great. Uh, this is also what the Wikipedia points out. This is like the point where like Hergé's art starts like getting a little more experimental or a little more like you know where he starts like experimenting with stuff like dream sequences which he hasn't done in the previous books that were just like very straightforward slapstick stuff yeah uh, yeah because so it's, cool. it's like a really effective way of conveying that Tintin is passed out but this stuff is happening to him and it's reflecting in his dream yeah and it just like it just works yeah it's great it's like he, he's like seeing like Thompson and Thompson as like hieroglyphs uh and then, like one of the one of the dream bits is this is incredibly Freudian, where where like he sees himself as a baby, and and yeah. Professor Sarcophagus as like someone cradling him, and then there's like also a snowy like a guy who's wearing Snowy's head as a mask who's carrying him like together with Rastapopoulos. You don't know what's going on there. Yeah, yeah. It's like all this happens in like three panels. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. It's yeah, this is genuinely like the best sequence, like the whole like tomb sequence. This is this is kind of like what I like about these comics. Like there's gonna be later comics are gonna be a lot more just that. Um Yeah. Yeah, this is where it starts. Uh I, I do want to say about this art, like the the copy we're reading is the redrawn version from like the forties where he redrew some of his early comics to like mm-hmm. look like his newer ones. So the art is fine. They don't look as good as like the ones that he actually knew, drew originally mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in this art uh, because you know he also had like better layouts and everything. Like he just I looked at some of the old panels and they're like basically all like have the exact same layout like the exact same the people are extending in the same places he just redrew them completely new um so yeah. that's why it's like it looks fine it's a little bit uninspired compared to his newer stuff but you know yeah yeah um three pages later tintin wakes up in a sarcophagus in the middle of the sea yes uh snow is in a sarcophagus as well it's very cute um how does he get out of this one he just kind of gets picked up by a boat <laughs> Yeah, um, uh, Professor Calculus is also in a different sarcophagus, but they can't communicate because they're too far away. Yeah, he catches a shark. Or what is this? A dolphin? I is... I really don't know. Is this a shark? I can't tell. I I'm gonna assign shark to this one. I think it's a shark. Yeah, because then there then you you see like all the fins, uh, down there. Yeah, he catches one, and then that's like, yeah. Then he's just floating until it gets picked up by a boat, I guess. Yeah. Um. There is a good bit whenever he gets picked up by the boat, whenever he meets, like, a travelling salesman. Yes. Um, who starts doing, like, travelling salesman pitch patter, and then, the, like, the final panel of this page is Tintin going, oh, well, just as well I didn't fall for his patter. You end up with all sorts of useless junk if you're not careful, <laughs> while he's just drawn covered in shit. That's classic, actually. That's... He does this joke all the time, I feel like. Yeah, really good. Yeah. This is also where there's, like, some bad black people stuff. Uh, yeah, this is the first kind of, like, oh, no. Uh, this <laughs> oh is a no. 1930s Bond Dessine comic, huh? It, Great. It really dawns on me how much I didn't realize these were drawn in the 30s when I was reading them as a kid. I just thought it's normal. Yeah, I, like, 
like the fact that it's like all the like clothing and the technology and the the world is like not once once you're like oh yeah this was drawn in the 30s you can like see it but if yeah. you don't like there's nothing is like detailed enough to really date them yeah it's kind of weird but like now in context i'm looking at like sophocles sarcophagus and i'm like oh yeah he's drawn as like a sort of like victorian era like nutty gentleman this makes Absolutely. sense but yeah it is kind of like everything else is a bit timeless like tintin's just got his little polo neck or not neck polo shirt is that a, i don't fucking know if that's a polo, a polo shirt. shirt i feel like i should know what a polo shirt is polo shirt and golf pants the capris <laughs> Uh, there's there's gonna be one book like the the last Tintin book where Tintin wears jeans and it's very disturbing. What? Oh, Tintin. Yeah, in in Tintin and the Picaros, he's wearing jeans like brown jeans. Heinous crime. Yeah. Um, what happens next? He ends up like just kind of wandering through the Arabian desert for shits and giggles. Yeah, why not? Oh yeah, this is the other fun bit of this book where he gets like kidnapped by some Arab guys. They're wearing Arab guy clothes, which is how yes. you know they're Arab guys. This is kind of where the sort of... Z- 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 this is a z- comic of the 30s, yeah. Yeah, the real Orientalism starts. Um, but then there's a bit where he like gets taken to the Sheik, and the Sheik is like, hey, what's your name? And he's like, oh, it's Tintin. And he's like, oh my god, I'm a really big fan. I read all your comics, and then he shows Destination Moon. And Tintin is, like, really in shock because that's a book that hasn't happened to him yet. Damn, time travel? In my Tintin? <laughs> but it's 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 this bit on, like, the next page whenever he goes back into the desert, like, yeah. sees some Arab guys attacking this white woman, goes and, like, fights them off, and then realizes he's in the middle of a film scene and, like, this is all fake. Um, Which is kind of... I know, this is one of the most interesting sequences in the book to me. Yes. Because it's like, you know, I saw, I was saying to Janosch, you before we started recording that, like, I finished reading Cigars of the Pharaoh and I was like, okay. And then I went to my bookshelf <laughs> and I opened, I pulled down my copy of Orientalism by Edward Said because I was like, I need to unpack this a little. Um, What's your findings? Yeah. So, like, this book, you know, clearly written in the 1930s, whenever yes. the Orientalist media, like, you know, pe- whenever people are probably reading adventure books, they are expecting to find these Orientalist tropes of like the the evil sheikh uh, with his the horny harem and the, they're like the stupid drawing people. So like people have all these like racist like expectations in their head because it's fucking like nineteen thirty five or whatever. Yeah, and like so, I'm not sure whether what Hergé is doing here is like being like, I'm going to subvert my audience's expectations. This sheik that kidnapped Tintin and is going to torture him, actually, he's a cool guy. He's a big fan of Tintin. Yeah. And, like, that's the twist. It's like, oh, it's like... And, like, same with the with the, the film scene sequence, like, Tintin sees some evil Arabs attacking a white woman and rescues her. Oh, and then plot twist. Like, this was fake all the whole time. Fucking egg on Tintin's face for being racist and assuming these, you know. But, like, but like at the same time, mm-hmm. the film set is also... But but this is... The film set bit, I think, is, like, genuinely really interesting. Like, I agree with you there. Because it's, like, 
Yeah, this is what film production was back in the, like was in the thirties. Like they were they they, they they would have shot like these super racist films. Yeah, uh, where yeah. it's like white woman being attacked by the evil Arab. Um <laughs> and uh, you know, the the producer of this film is uh, is Rastapopoulos, a problematic guy who will never show up in these stories again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so like this can be like seen as as like critique or subversion, and same for the sheik being his friend. It, it did kind of remind me, like I was, I was telling you before we recorded that, uh, you know, as orientalist this is, like sorcery was kind of still rougher, which we did for who watches the watch Terry Pratchett book, and they they kind of do a very similar thing though, like in in that Terry Pratchett is also going going like, mm, I am going to riff on Arabian Nights and like subvert the Orientalist tropes, but then it still ends up like being super Orientalist while doing that. Yeah. Uh, and it, this is kind of like a similar situation where he's like aware that yeah. there's these cliches, but then later in the book he's just still gonna have like the fakir, you know, fakir, like fakir. out of Arabian Nights, literally like. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, like and the, like the thing, like the like the thing about like Orientalism is that like the Orient like does like actually yeah because these all these were serialized under the name like Santa O Orient somewhere something like that printed in the Orient. Mm-hmm. I'm getting lost the part of the wiki. So, but it's like you know that Orient doesn't exist and like was entirely made up. By white media, yeah, and it's so it's just like it's the Twitter thing of making up a guy to get mad at. Absolutely, it is but, interesting about Orientalist how much it's like because like the foundational things of Orientalism are like stuff like Arabian Nights Entertainment, which uh, while it does contain some stories that are like actually uh, from like Middle Eastern countries, the whole like packaged as a book, like the way it's. The way it's packaged is all like a white construction around mm-hmm. um, around these so-called Arabian stories that is like selling this exotic Orient, right? And then other stuff is like fucking the the famous like Oriental melody that is like a white composition, but it's still gonna show up. Like to this day, you will hear Oriental melody in like it's in fucking it's in Yu-Gi-Oh. It is it's fucking it's in Yu-Gi-Oh. Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> so it is interesting how much it's like prevailing, like to this day um which is why like this as like a this is more of a classic orientalist text i guess because it was like written in the 30s um yeah yeah and like also like i think the reason like the reason he wrote stories the reason like either Hergé or his editor was like okay i want you to put tintin in the orient was because people like to sell it because people were really yeah. into this shit because like this yeah, was like uh... Tutankhamun era. This is like, you know, if the era of like, you know, I'm thinking of reading Agatha Christie like books and like, they're always going to Egypt talking about Egypt, Absolutely. talking about like ah the mystical Orient. That's <laughs> like people were horny that... for this shit. <laughs> like weirdly, I think like around the time I was reading these comics was also like around the time I got like into Agatha Christie books. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Um. Also written in the same time period, uh, Agatha Christie, also someone whose politics are very confused, I feel like. Um, yeah, we need a whole other podcast to get yeah. into that. Um, uh, but yeah, he. this was like, actually, like, I, I've read on the Wikipedia that he was, uh, this was also Erge's, uh, Erge's intent was also to write a mystery story. 
because mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. it says for his fourth adventure, Hergé was eager to write a mystery story. Uh, in the 1930s, some mystery novels flourished across Western Europe with the success of authors like Agatha Christie and Ellery Queen. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it very much feels like you know those were the popular adventures of the time. Um, mystery stories were kind of a kind of a hot new thing. Oriental adventures were. A, were like a popular thing so it was just like the allure of of those stories it's still like in, in comparison to the previous books where it was just the concept for the first three books was uh tintin is a reporter for the for this conservative newspaper mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh he is sent to the soviet union to examine what they live like and then he's Sent to the Congo to see what the Belgians are doing there and how great they're doing. Like, but the, those are always like Tintin is being sent a, mm-hmm. away as a journalist, and this is where it like moves away from the journalist stuff. Also, it's just like him having an adventure. Um, yeah, which is um, yeah, but that adventure thing goes hand in hand with like these Oriental stories. So yeah, yeah. What's so that? yeah, I guess my conclusion is it's still bad, but like there's something going on here. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, it's... It, there's some value to reading this with a critical eye, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens next? There's some... There's a boat incident. Thompson twins come back. Very funny sequence where uh, Tintin makes the Thompson twins fight each other. That's classic. Um, classic stuff. Snowy drops a grenade. That's quite funny. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, this is a bit where like the Thompson twins uh, are waiting for him to explode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, so he finds this boat which is full of like arms and grenades, and like the Thompson twins come to arrest him. They chase Snowy down under and like then they like run away. They're like, oh my god, Snowy's dropped a grenade. And then like the last panel is like Snowy sitting there going, Oh wow, why did they run away? Like with a smoking grenade beside him. Which I I'm I'm guessing that like each page of these yeah like is one like week's publication or each spread yeah because there's the bomb cliffhanger and then it says and then Tintin is like looking at the grenade and says lucky for us they ship grenades without explosive yeah <laughs> like on the next then? page which like you kind of assume is the one week's and like yeah. the the end of that page is like. Tintin gets lost in the desert and he sees an oasis and then it turns out to be a, be a mirage and then yeah. the last panel is like oh no Snowy I'm afraid I mean, we were choice to like like there are always like little cliffhangers on the, the last panel the, the 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 one thing that is that makes makes it a little bit harder to know where the where the page breaks were is that when he redrew it he also like reshuffled the panels a little yeah. bit because the original publication had like the original version had more pages. He cut out some bits that he thought were too repetitive. Like, there's apparently a few bits where Tintin is fighting, just fighting off different jungle animals, and he cut a few of those because th- there was enough of that. Yeah. So yeah, we we don't really know. Like, I could see, I could see the page ending with just him pointing at the oasis, and then the next page starts with it's a mirage. But I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think um, every time there's an oasis in a comic, it's gonna be a mirage. Like that was such a big thing. Every when single I was time, comics. Like, and the thing is, like, kind of, you know, the way when you're a kid, you think quicksand is real. Yes. Yeah, like when I was a kid, I absolutely thought the mirages looked like 
trees and shit and not just yeah, like shiny bit yeah yeah like i then, thought yeah and then like my mom was pointing out that like the when it's really hot uh the the asphalt on the street is also gonna look like it's wet and that's kind of like the same phenomenon as a mirage you know like oh that's much much less exciting than i thought why are the trees in this mirage yeah disappointed there was I, I i could swear there were like comics where uh where the mirage was like a sexy lady that <laughs> was running toward that like they they went nutty <laughs> oh with the concept of mirages <laughs> oh. uh the thompsons are here again disguised as bedouins I think um, this is the like second funny disguise they've worn in these books. Yeah. Like they had they had funny fezes on earlier. Um but yeah, the Thompson twins actually like start a tribal war, which again has its own like highly orientalist connotations. Uh where like these few sections of the book just like depict Arab life as like tribalistic, aggressive, yeah. and like they'll just go to war at the drop of the hat because they're aggressive Arabs, didn't you know? Uh, and it's like completely earnest. There's, there's no funny subversion here. No. From Hergé. No, but it's yeah, going like... to be until he meets. Next episode, we're going to talk about how he meets uh, his Chinese friend and he teaches him that you should do research into other politi- into the politics of other countries that you write about. <laughs> but he hasn't learned that yet here. Yeah, God bless Hergé's little Chinese friend. He's, I don't know why I said the word little. Bit. I've been saying it a lot these days. Just a little guy. Just a little guy. If you think about Tintin, he's just a little guy. Tintin really is just a little guy. Like when you when you read these as a kid, like how, what age did you imagine him to be? I think I thought he was like in his twenties, like a grown up. Yeah. But also, it does somewhere in the wiki it describes him as a boy reporter. So it's unclear, I think. Like. Yeah, uh, it feels like Erge conceptualized him as like a child reporter, a boy reporter, and then but, but then like in the later books, it's like very clear that he just like lives on his own. He's like he's an adult, but you never like he is drawn in a way that it could be like anything. Yeah, yeah. I one time I saw a guy who looked exactly like Tintin. It was mm. terrifying. <laughs> like I was just like I was in a youth hostel in uh-huh. Paris. And like there was a like a group of English uni students also staying in, the, and like one of them was just Tintin. And like I remember seeing him like walk through the foyer of this youth hostel. We were sitting there like waiting for some people, and like I just heard overheard like a neighboring French table just be like, Tintin. Have you seen the images of the um, live action Tintin movies that they did in the like sixties? I have not. Uh... Because they made Tintin a real guy in those, and it's very disturbing. Hang um, on, let me tip at 60s, because live-action Tintin just shows up that... Yeah, Spielberg. Google for Tintin et les oranges bleu. Oh my god, that's Tintin. <laughs> that's him. It's, it's just, his head is just not round enough. There, there, there he is. That's um. God, like, Haddock kind of looks good. I'm not sure if the Thompsons were in those. Huh. But it's incredibly bizarre to see them. Uh... It is weird because this isn't like because like Tintin is like realistically drawn relative yeah. like compared to fucking Asterix, right? Yes. It's not like whenever you see like live action adaptations of like anime or manga where they've just kind of gone all out on the like bizarre clothing choices. It's mm-hmm. just like 
yeah, that's just, this is what real tinted looks like. I don't like it. I want to watch it. We can't, we should find find out if there's like English subtitles for these. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll watch it in French, I don't give a fuck. I just sure. want to see them. I don't need yeah, to know we'll, what they're saying. We'll watch Tenta Elisa Orange Blue at one point. Yeah. It's a 4.8 um, out of 10 on IMDb. Sure, okay, great. let's go. Uh, okay, Tintin gets executed by firing squad. He's dead. This has been a great podcast, Janos. Wow. Um, can't believe it's over. <laughs> can't believe it's over. Um, yeah, and then Snowy does Greyfriar's Bobby shit. It's yeah. very sad. I feel very bad for Snowy here. <laughs> Poor little guy. I know he's a dog, but he's also a little guy. He's a little guy. He's just a little guy. I guess she's a little guy. I think, I think Snowy's a girl, but. I don't oh, Snowy's a girl! His fr- or, or her French name is Milou, which is a which is a girl's name, but I don't know. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, that's cute. Um, yeah, someone like someone dressed up in who could this be? Someone in a like a like Phil Burka. Yeah. Yet again, there's the the like funny Burka disguise. Uh, Tintin gets rescued by two women in burkas and is like, "Oh, ladies, thanks for rescuing me." Then fucking psych, it's the Thompson twins. <laughs> it's the Thompsons again. Um, it's pulling down your pulling down your uh your scarf and there's a huge mustache under it. It is kind of funny because <laughs> it's the Thompson twins. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, this really is like the easiest way to make a. To make a situation from uh, this could become prob- this could be a little problematic to just find it if you put the Thompsons in it. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's only so much that I can point at these comics and go bad, yeah. evil. It's listen. It's the Thompson twins. Yeah, they're alone. They could do a little racism as a treat. <laughs> um, uh, there's a lot, lot of running around here. There's, there's some a lot of running action. around. When do you think Tintin learned to fly a plane? I guess it's just like part of his journalist. Uh, like he just learned, he just he just learned it, learned it as like his uh, journalist education. Like I yeah. don't, know, I don't know how he would have made his like flying license like just as a private hobby. I think you just get assigned your like pilot's license whenever you get assigned to be an adventure book hero. Yeah. I don't like, believe he's a journalist. Like, it's just... The, Tintin being a journalist is just, like, the hook for the first three books where he's, he's, he's sent out as a journalist. And then he keeps staying a journalist for 20 more books, even though he doesn't do any journalistic stuff. Yeah, like... I guess, like, journalist is a plausible, like, reason for someone to be somewhere. Yeah. Like, it's enough of a thing to give him an excuse to go to countries to be racist against <laughs> uh, and like but like I don't know if Tintin is literate I've never seen him write anything mm. like we just said where did he learn to fly but um he does kind of get into a Joseph Joestar situation here yeah I mean like Tintin does a lot of things like he wrestles a tiger in like three <laughs> pages or something like he wrestles a tiger he he learns to speak t- elephant. <laughs> okay, this is uh, this is like the most unhinged section of the book. Although <laughs> um, before we turn that page, I want to shout out the end of this one page where he like falls out of the sky, um, 
and then like a medical kit falls on his head, like a first aid kit, and he says mm-hmm. the words, the first aid kit, all I need now is a book of instructions, at which the book of instructions falls on his head. <laughs> Excellent comedic timing. Thank you, Hergé. It's pretty good. Um, yeah, but then we get the elephant sequence. I do think a lot of the slapstick gags in, in this are kind of good. Like, there's, yeah. there's not really a plot, and there's a lot of, like, humors that, humor that goes back to, like, cheap, like, oriental stereotypes. But when, when he ju- does just, like, a pure slapstick bit, it, it's usually pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I just, like, I know, as, like, a sort of page-by-page serialized, like, the fact that is that each spread introduces a thing resolves it and you're like yes i'm satisfied for this week yeah i close the book and come back later Um, i will keep buying this conservative catholic newspaper for this yes i will continue to not be immune to conservative catholic propaganda (laughs) (laughs) he meets a sick elephant uh yeah he meets a sick elephant He's read the doctor's manual. He now has a medical degree. Uh-huh. He diagnoses the elephant with malaria or whatever quinine cures. Um, and then gets adopted by the elephant society as their doctor. It's insane, but it's also kind of cute. It is kind of cute, because like the way, in the way that Snowy speaks, the elephants also speak. Yeah. Like, there's a panel of the elephant being like, mm, Look, brother elephants, this young human has cured my fever. And then two panels lit, or Tintin tries to leave, and he goes, Stop, little human. You must stay with us. You are our elephant doctor. You are our elephant doctor. It's and cute. Then, it's cute. And then he does what all of us would do in this scenario. Obviously. And he... He makes a trumpet out of... What, what, what material I, is he using for this? I would say this is the trunk of a palm tree. Yeah, that makes sense. He makes Like a, wood. He makes a trumpet out of a palm tree, and he's explaining to uh, to Snowy all this time uh, how you see Snowy when the elephants talk to one another, they make a sort of trumpeting sound. I've been listening to them, uh, and I think I may be able to pick up some of their language. Uh, then he explains like what like solatido means. Yes, doti lasso means no. I want a drink. Go so so fa fa. Then he th- then he makes a trumpet. And plays a few tunes to the elephant and gets a shower by them and he loves it. Yeah. This this it's... panel where the elephant showers uh, Tintin and Snowy is just like dancing. So yeah. cute. Yeah. Yeah. And then like I really like in the next panel that like he does trumpet at the elephant again, but instead of the music notes, it's just like his dialogue in yeah. elephant language. Yeah, like two panels ago he he just says he picked up how to say yes and no and now he's telling the elephant now you stay here, I'm going for a walk Tintin has an IQ of over 3000 and just like an insane <laughs> amount of muscles um, Remember in the Winds of Winter when Quoth like picked up stenography just by looking at it <laughs> Tintin in the Winds of Winter? Can't believe Quoth's gonna be in the Winds of Winter <laughs> In the fucking name of the wind. <laughs> I, you, there's just too many things in my, on my mind things. that have wind in it. Coming soon. Tintin in the, Tintin the name in of the, the winds, winds of winter. winter. He should be in it. By uh, George R.R. R. Remy. George R.R. Um, Remy. 
But I'm sure George has read Tintin because he has. There's like yeah. references to the fucking. There's there's characters he names after Muppets. So. Oh my called, god. There's there's an Elmo Tully. <laughs> what? So. But excuse me. Yeah. There's also like three characters he named after the Three Stooges. Oh um, my fucking god. Then Tintin sees the symbol of kiosk again on, on painted on some trees. Uh, and he meets our old friend, uh, Dr. Sarcophagus again. But this time he's crazy. Even more than he was before. Which, I think this is the first uh, uh, narrative callback that this yeah. book has had. Like, hi, you, you seeded this plot thread earlier, Hergé. Well done. Damn. You did it. Payoff. Uh, yeah, cannot... Dr. Sarcophagus is the one painting the kiosk signs on the trees. Uh, Do just, like... you think... Because is is he wearing trousers or sorry is he wearing shorts or are these his undies? I think I think they're his undies. I think he's I think he's just in his underwear. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I'm looking still... earlier and he has like grey trousers on. Yeah, before. he's still wearing like his suit and tie and his uh, top hat, but he's he's wearing um like sock calf garters. Yeah. It's really good bit of detail. I really want a pair of sock calf garters. Like <laughs> I just I just need a pair. Um. Yeah, and like the the again the the thing that was seated at the start is the fact that the like I keep wanting to call it Professor Calculus is fucking not that character. It's Doctor Sarcophagus. Uh, Doctor Sarcophagus. A, what a great name! Um, <laughs> really nailed that one. Fucking Yu Gi Oh ass. Yeah. Um, I wonder what his yeah, name so is. Yeah, so like Frank. the like the first time we met him when he was just like a bit ditzy, it was like talking to the ventilators and stuff yeah. and like he's still doing that shit except yeah he's still doing that shit and you kind of I don't know like I was when I was reading this I was like yeah he's just like this and then two panels later Tintin is like he's gone completely mad completely off his nuts uh, when he's, he th- he's thinking he is the pharaoh Ramses the second um, his yeah. his French name is Philemon Cyclone so, so sarcophag Sophocles sarcophagus is an English translation original. Yeah. Yeah, we come to like the 24th problematic thing of this book, which is just like the general depiction of madness as like making up the depiction of madness, which again, like, I'm pretty sure when I was a kid, I was like, I thought that people could go mad. People could just go, you just hear the bells. Yeah. And suddenly you think you're Napoleon. That's how it's always it's always thinking you're a pharaoh or thinking you're Napoleon. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of Duramat kind of did a twist on that where like it turned out that everyone in the asylum who thought that they were a physicist were actually just like acting that way because they wanted to escape something. I don't know, I don't remember the rest of that play, but like, what but... are you talking about? There's a classic like Swiss drama called Die Physica by Friedrich Duramat, oh, okay. which is about like you're on a, it, it, it takes place in like a mental asylum where all the main characters think that like one of them thinks he's Einstein and the other one thinks he's Newton. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it turns out they're all just like acting that way because they wanted to escape like guilt for, uh, for like some nuclear crimes, I think. Damn. But yeah, this just like plays that straight up. 
And it's like again like a big theme for the rest of the book and like in the next one and probably later. Yeah. This is, I, can't, like, I can't get too mad at this one because that's like, yeah. like, such a common thing in like pulp literature. And... It was just like a generally accepted yeah. notion that one can simply go mad. Yeah. This and is... that looks like you start thinking you're a pharaoh or you start singing or dancing. Yeah. Oh, what singing involved in madness? Yeah. <laughs> Look, sometimes you just sometimes you just go mad. Sometimes you just go a little bit crazy. <laughs> Press, uh, doctor and sarcophagus went sicko mode. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, actually, like, again, like, kind of interestingly, they're like, they're in the jungle. At some point, Tintin is like, this is probably India. Okay, great, Tintin. Um, and like, they're wandering through the jungle, and like, the first people they see are these, like, white colonizer guys. White colonists, yeah. Um, and like, I think they're British. Like, like they're probably British. It's yeah, India. Yeah, look like. at look at look at his mustache. Look at his like uniform. Yeah. Um, this, yeah, this looks like an archetypal like British military guy. So yeah, they they spend some time at these people's houses. Um, I was wondering because there's a Reverend Peacock mm. who's introduced, and I was like, is this a Cluedo reference? <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Do you think Cluedo referenced this? Hey, when was Cluedo invented? Gotta be later. Cluedo. I don't know, it feels like a Victorian board oh. game. Oh, sorry, never mind. Devised in 1943 1943, by... yeah. Okay. So it's still like 15 years after this. Okay. Well, I can't believe Cluedo ripped off Tintin cigars with <laughs> the Pharaoh. And that was like a contemporary thing at that point, so maybe. Yeah, it could have been. What happens? So there's, there's a cursed dagger that gets introduced. There's a cursed um, dagger that points at you if your life is in danger. Uh, and then, like, the the window gets, like, ripped open, and, uh... This is... This sequence is very Agatha Christie. It is. It's, like, just very, like, I'm writing a mystery story. Yeah. It's like even the society of these people, right? Like these are all like Agatha Christie characters. The, yeah. The reverend, the fucking military guy in India. Like, <laughs> I think Agatha Christie always had like officers returning from India. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, the ghost, the ghost that they're all talking about, turns out to be Professor, or I think Doctor Sarcophagus. Doctor Sarcophagus. Um, who steals the dagger, runs into the jungle, Tintin goes to find him, the Dr. Sarcophagus tries to stab him, because he's been <laughs> hypnotized by a fakir. Like, yeah. First he finds Dr. Sarcophagus's hat, and instead of like thinking, <laughs> yeah. oh, this is, this is kind of sus that he just leaves his hat out here, let's be careful, he just puts on the hat and is like showing off to the snowy how, how smart he looks now as he's wearing a top hat, while like Dr. Sarcophagus is like hiding behind the tree with the dagger. Yeah. And the the other really good bit is like the way he catches Dr. Sarcophagus, where like he just finds a really big tree and like runs around it and like catches <laughs> yeah. up in the end. Like they just run around the tree really fast until Tintin's behind him and like gets it. Um, yeah, he like catches the like what's that what what's that tail of your suit called? Like the coattails. Yeah, he just catches him by his coattails, which is a very funny image. Yeah. Um, 
And then we get the introduction of introduce introduction of the fakir. Yay! I again is a was a fakir, was fakirs real? That's a great question. I, like, God, there's got to be some fakir, uh, Islamic term traditionally used for a Sufi Muslim whose contingency and utter dependence upon God is manifest in everything they do and every breath they take. Yeah, they're real. Um, okay, but I think in this. No, this is term, definitely not says, like, historically accurate. Okay, but it also the there's a sentence that says the the term is also applied to Hindu. Uh, this this is not the word aesthetics. How do you say this word? Aesthetics. Aesthetics. Yeah. Yeah, this is probably the Hindu thing that is referenced here. Um, yeah. So it's like, e.g., sadhus, gurus, swamis, and yogis. Okay, I can see how these types of like holy men who like yeah. you know do such a insane thing as fasting imagine not eating for a week <laughs> that must be magic like could be like twisted and interpreted by yeah. orientalism to okay there's the wikipedia on it doesn't really help about this aspect but uh yeah there's definitely like some sort of like mysticism uh like arabian nights influenced uh Stuff going on here. Okay, oh, yeah. Here. Um, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, here we have... Yeah, I think my introduction to the concept of Fakir was the asterisk and the flying carpet. That makes sense. Mine, w- mine was, I think, like a Hungarian cartoon that had like a plot line where they were... Uh, where they were like going around the world. Like that was the concept. It was like, an, just like a f- funny sitcom family type... That were like going around the world, and then there was a bit where they were like in, uh, in India, and they 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 met a fact they, they they were like captured by a fakir or something, and they tried he tried to hypnotize them into uh he, 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 he like tried to hypnotize them into doing something, but then they used the mirror or something like that, like yeah, <laughs> you know, and that, so yeah, and that was like a cartoon from the eighties, so <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Yeah, so we have like yeah, I feel like the definition of fakir is just orientalist plot yeah. device. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah. this guy has like a like a rope that can like 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 a magic rope or whatever later. Like that's that's very much just like Yeah, he uses the D and D spell magic rope. Yeah. <laughs> Which is uh, the famously unproblematic D and D um Oriental lore, I guess. What, what do you mean? D&D's never done Orientalism. No. What are you talking about? They would never. God, I wonder, does the Oriental Adventures D&D segment have, like, a fucking, like, fakir class or some shit like that? It's, Christ. It's got a... I mean, there's, like... <laughs> I've been reading up on the Wikipedia for, like, Oriental Adventures. Uh, and there's... There's some great stuff about how the reviews say that this is a much more fleshed out world and much better. Like all the like contemporary reviews that <laughs> didn't mention that it's like super problematic. They were just talking about mm, yes, the mechanics of the spells are really well done. Um, yes, like when did Oriental Adventures come out? Was that like nineties, right? Uh, nineteen eighty five. Oh, okay. Ah. There's uh. Ashley Shepard reviewed Oriental Adventures, giving it an overall rating of 9 out of 10. Wow. Uh, Shepard felt that the character classes each had a twist which made them interesting and worth playing. 
Shepard noted that the monk was in its proper eastern context and that the ninja was the best version the reviewer had ever seen. So that's cool. The cover of Oriental Adventures looks so fucking bad. Like, the the bit where they do the... uh, We're coming up with a font that is just like Latin letters, but they kind of look like Chinese. Uh, But they're, they're like... And they're written like from top to bottom. But it's it's like an A that is written a little weird. Anyway, what happens next? Uh, Oriental Adventures is what happens next. Oriental Um, Adventures. Oh yeah, (laughs) this guy gets shot by like this poison arrow that makes you mad. Poison arrow that makes you mad? Who is this guy? Is this the guy... This is Mr. Zlotty. Oh, he's a poet. He's a poet. Do you think this is based on a real guy? This might feels be. like it's based on a real guy. It might be someone who actually knew, yeah. Like, I'm skimming the Wikipedia page again. I'm not saying anything for Zloty. Anyway, they they escape from the fakir. They go talk to Zloty, who tells them some stuff about drug smuggling. An Wait, international the... drug smuggling ring. Very normal. Yeah, like the it's like the plot kind of whizzes by and waves at us. Yeah. Um... But yeah, like before he can tell them any informa- more information about the plot, he gets shot by the Fakir. Um, Classic Fakir stuff. Yeah, Tintin. Okay, so yeah, Tintin is like gonna take them to the. I was gonna say mental hospital, but that's very generous. So I'm gonna rephrase yeah. it as fucking insane asylum. <laughs> this was the 1930s, so he 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 was just like bringing them to get lobotomized for being shot by like, a poison arrow. Yeah. Okay, they do call it a hospital, not an asylum in the text, mm. so... Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, this, like... this professor gets shot by an arrow, and that arrow just makes him try to sing and think that he's Napoleon. Yeah, that's what madness is, don't you know? <laughs> that's how poison arrows work. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's, like, a... When they're in the hospital, there's, like, a shot of the garden with, like, it's a, three or four depictions of crazy people. And no, yet another one who definitely thinks he's Napoleon. He's like doing the yeah. the Napoleon pose, and he's got like a paper hat on. Yeah, he has a little hat. There's another guy who just like wears an wears an umbrella and like a onesie, and is like checking himself out in the mirror. Um, okay, that that guy's not like mad. That guy's just vibing. That's, that like, guy's normal. probably just there. He's a he's a like a you know a a precursor to the selfie culture in our current society. Damn, makes you think makes me think taking selfies just like madness oh what's the real madness <laughs> the real madness is in our phones <clears throat> um but yeah like the plot twist on these pages is that like tintin gets like put into the the like fucking padded cell or the, whatever yeah the, <laughs> the the doctor writes up something about these people and then, uh, and then the fakir says he, I, he copied the doctor's writing and substituted with another letter that makes out that Tintin is the mad and mad guy and not the other one. So like, these two insane people just get released out into the world, and Tintin uh, is, is uh, has the letter that says he is extremely dangerous. Um, so that's cool. Yeah, and the letter is like he will keep on insisting he's absolutely sane. Which honestly, I think this is quite like a fun like little plot device. Yeah. Um, like within the context of this is the way madness works. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah he, he, they're, they're telling him if he keeps insisting that he's sane, they're gonna put him in a straitjacket, which is 
if this was like a little bit more self-aware it could be like a good commentary on how like the you know insane asylums worked but you know. yeah and like how they treat quote-unquote mad people yeah um but yeah he escapes from the insane asylum by a little trick with some soup <laughs> and by using like a fat indian man as a trampoline which i feel like is a is a very good uh sort of metaphor slash example of how like the entire conceit uh-huh. of Tintin like treats brown people as objects yeah. for Tintin to play with. It <laughs> So this bit is obviously like super problematic, but like just the idea to like use someone's belly as a springing boy and that that would work to like because he jumps up really high from this guy's belly. There's like no way. Not to cinema sins this, but like you <laughs> Cinema Sins do <laughs> trampoline off someone's belly like yeah like i know the thing like because it's tintin and tintin can fly a plane and wrestle a tiger clearly tintin has he's able to do this it's fine it's like a kid's novel it's more just the like the racism that i'm like ah yes this 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 is just this is what this is like yeah um yeah so he's like running away um he (laughs) You see the train approaching. This is an extremely like uh, Eric just made this up as he went. Cause he's cause he's like running out at the end of the page where it's like a jungly background, and then on the next page a train is coming. You see, the thing is, like India. I feel like the British spent a lot of time putting in a really extensive and efficient rail system into uh-huh. India. Like India, I think, like to this day has like. Lots of trains that go places and stuff. Yeah. However, it's uh, this doesn't mean that Hershey did any research whatsoever. No. I think he just decided there was going to be a train here. <laughs> it really feels like he didn't know at the end of the last page where the next page, what the next page is going to start with. Like this, this train is yeah. coming out of nowhere, and then Tintin is jumping on a moving train. Don't do this at home, kids. But he's Tintin. He's fine. He's he's yeah. allowed. He can do it. Um, and then the Thompson twins are here again. They're here. Uh, um, this does the. I f- does make me wonder if like Hitchcock has like seen this and decided that he's gonna do like train action scenes like this because this is very much like uh it's very much like some I guess like early silent movies had like train chases like this. Or, yeah, like, it does. Scenes. It's also kind of like he's like writing a mystery adventure thing, and it's like okay, oh, what do those have in them? They ha- they have a sequence where a person traces chases after and jumps on a train. Yeah, like they have a obligatory train sequence. Yeah. Um, there is like a whole bit because like Snowy doesn't have opposable thumbs and can't jump on the train, no. so like she gets <laughs> left behind. There's an entire like side sequence adventure where she gets into an argument with a sacred cow, <laughs> and is then going to be sacrificed on the altar of. Eva. So this is obviously very problematic, but... <laughs> Which, yeah. I mean, it's kind of just like, okay, yeah, this fucking sucks, but... It's just kind of like, okay, obviously it sucks. I'm just, like, worried for Snowy. I'm like, why would you separate them? Yeah. Yeah, she's just a dog. Yeah. Um, but then eventually Tintin gets, like, recaptured? He gets no, recaptured, he gets put into a straitjacket. Um. Okay, yeah, because he, he has the straitjacket and then the ambulance that's taking him back to the hospital crashes. Yeah. 
He that. runs into the jungle. And this is when he wrestles a tiger. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so he runs into the jungle. He steps into like a bear trap or something, a tiger trap. Uh, that you know the classic trap that like pulls your an- pulls your ankle up into a tree. Yeah, that- he does hanged man tarot card pose. <laughs> he does hanged man tarot card pose. Uh, meanwhile, meanwhile, Snowy is about to get slaughtered at the altar of uh, Shiva, but uh, the Thompson That's twins Siva. are like that. Yeah, the I'm, Siva. Like, yeah, I was looking at this. I'm like wondering. I'm like. Did they not want to write Shiva because that's the real like Hindu deity? Mm. Like, or did they just like feel like making something up? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it is like the statue is a dancing Shiva. It is a Shiva, yeah. I don't fucking know. Snow um, is about to get sacrificed, but then the Thompson twins like speak from behind the altar, and that scares this uh, Hindu priest so that he drops his knife. Uh, yeah, so you're can... stupid Brian man, obviously gonna think your altar, your little statue is really talking. Yeah, of course. Well, of course. It's your, Orientalism. Your, your, it's little, your little statue is gonna talk in French. <laughs> your little <laughs> statue. <laughs> like, this, is another, this is another one of those, like, uh, Stardust Crusaders things where, like, language is just kind of sidestepped. Like, it just, yeah. just doesn't exist. Although, uh, actually, I did... Notice in Tanta uh, in America mm. um, that like some, there are some like English words in it. Like the taxi driver, there's like he gets into a taxi and the taxi driver is like, all right. And then the rest is in French. Yeah. But like that's. I think that might have been the last time. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think it's going it... to be very much a like occasion to occasion thing, whether he wants to have a language barrier or not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, yeah so he, this is Tintin oh. is like in that in the in the trap, uh, and then the there's like this Maharaja guy uh, on his elephant. Um, he he's like tiger hunting. He's tiger hunting. Yeah. Uh, and but instead of instead of a tiger, it's Tintin in a straight jacket in his trap. Uh, so he's like freeing Tintin from the tra- the trap. But but then, but then there's a tiger in the tree. <laughs> And he shoots at the tiger, and the tiger jumps into this like elephant, like carriage thing. Uh, and then Tintin wrestles the tiger and puts the tiger in the straight jacket. I do think, like, aside from the like r- absolute ridiculousness of oh, Tintin just wrestles the tiger. Yeah. <laughs> like, I do like it when like Kerje does the like sight gag of like. Tintin and another individual go into a room. There's like an individual who's much, much stronger than Tintin. Yeah. And like there's a lot of biffs and boofs and clangs and bash noises. And then we cut to the like inside the room and it's like the tiger's in the straitjacket with a branch in his mouth. Like <laughs> it's just so ridiculous that it, I really like it. It's pretty good. But like I'm forever going to be thinking Tintin can wrestle a tiger. Tintin can wrestle win. a tiger, yeah. I. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean we're we've been going for a while, so I don't want to introduce a new segment. But maybe we can just like try to keep <laughs> track of things Tintin can do. I think uh, we should by the end of this have like Tintin's stats figured out. Yeah, that's a great like, idea. What's his strength score? Uh huh. 
just what are Tintin's exploits? Yeah. So they're now at this Maharaja's place. Um, what is this conversation about? His son was kidnapped, I think. Yeah. They talk. They talk about like the narcotics trade, and the like opium trade. is introduced as like a plot device. There actually, okay, there is a bit where the um, Maharaja is talking about like, oh, the what he says, the poppy is made from opium that flourishes in this region. The drug traffickers terrorize my people. They force the peasants to grow poppies instead of food, and they purchase the crop for a miserable sum. Then, when the unhappy unhappy people should have rice that they could have grown for themselves, they have to buy it from the smugglers at exorbitant prices i never stop fighting this devilish organization i'm like okay that's yeah you kind of you got something there herge yeah just keep thinking about it keep thinking (laughs) don't let your uh your environment (laughs) influence your thinking Herge. yeah uh yeah he's he does he does have this thing where he has like sympathy for the poor man um and he like but 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 the evil is always gonna be like arms traders and drug dealers, right? Yeah. Like, but then at the same time, this Maharaja who is like the rich guy, he's like he's like the sympathetic one. Like he's not he's not someone who could have changed the situation. I don't know. It. I think again, like I was thinking about this when I was like leafing through Orientalism. Yeah. Honestly, okay, Orientalism is a really hard book to read. Like. I can't, I'm just really bad at reading, but like as I'm sort of skimming through it and trying to look at the words on the pages, mm-hmm. like it really feels like Herge has a lot of like sympathy for these like the brown people he's writing about, like yeah. the poor people he's writing about, like the plight of like colonialism on the world, but absolutely no empathy. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. like yeah, like they're still just objects in Tinted Story. Yeah, I mean it's the, it's the terrible. Like we, we we talk about this also on Watch the Watch a lot about how you, like Terry Pratchett always like has to decide between like am I going to have empathy with these people or do I want them for a funny gag? <laughs> That's kind of yeah. what's going on here. Yeah. Um. Now we now we now we do have the magic rope spell. Yeah, the fakir is here. The fakir uh, shoots one of those madness darts at the Maharaja in his bed, and then Tintin like follows him, and he disappears beside a tree. There's like there's kind of like a fun bit where like Tintin is like, "Oh, where did he go? Is he hiding in the tree?" And then he's like, "Is he hiding in the tree?" This is some then, like great. This is great panel layout to me, where he's like. There's just yeah. like these two tiny panels, and he's like, he first is looking up, and says, "Is he hiding in the tree?" And then he's looking at the tree, like and uh, like right below, like it's it's just just like this little head movement. This is uh, this is pretty well constructed, I think. Yeah, because like for, for for most of this, like the panels are just like like four rows, three squares yeah. each, like yeah. Most of the action is gonna be like running around, like there. Yeah, like occasionally there's like a really thin long panel. Yeah. To like show like a big sort of minimal panorama sort of thing, but like it's all pretty much the same. Um except for like bits like these. Um, yeah. But yeah, he opens the tree and there's a secret ladder and then we are in a cult. We're in a cult and like, they the, I got whiplash. 
they're wearing clan uniforms in purple. And you'd be thinking, well, this is a weird coincidence. And then at the end, he calls them the drug Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> that was yeah. kind of weird. Yeah. It's like, it is, it, again, it, again, it's like very much, it's like, oh, Herja, you've done this. Oh, oh, you're aware. Yeah. I see. Like. The Wikipedia says that uh, inspiration for this might have been like uh, right wing conspiracies about Freemasons. Um, yeah, which, is cool. um, which makes sense if he's publishing for the conservative yeah. Catholic newspaper. I feel like Freemason conspiracies were like fucking all around, also at that time. Yeah, like if you were like politically uninformed person, like that's my my main vibe I'm getting from Ajay's. He just like picks up on every like narrative cliche and doesn't reflect on them at all. Yeah. Yeah, I guess important for plot reasons. All the like purple Ku Klux Klan uniforms have the little, uh, the circle with the squiggle symbol that the cigars had, that the tomb had, that the uh, doctor sarcophagus was painting on the trees and stuff like that. So they're in a cult. There's a whole bit where someone is like, "Oh my god, we find this person. There's an infiltrator in our midst. We've got to find the infiltrator." There's like a whole bit with like passwords and like stuff. Um, and then the plot twist at the end is that, like, ah, Tintin was the one, like, saying yeah. about, saying all the, leading the interrogation the whole time, basically. It's kind of a cool um, twist, I wish it wasn't, like, in this, like, cold context. Yeah. Yeah. Because it is a cool, it is a cool twist, right? Like, that he's the one who, and we don't know which one he is. And, but... like, it's kind of a variation on the Tintin wrestles a tiger sort of twist. Uh-huh. Where you know you you assume that Tintin is the last guy, yeah. the scared little guy who's going to be going into the room last, and he's going to get caught. But actually, the last guy goes into the room, and everyone else is tied up because Tintin's dicking them out. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then he says the infamous sentence. Now let's have a look at the faces of our jungle Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so um, that happened. Oh yeah, actually, the, and the the people turn out to be again. From people from earlier in the novel. Oh my god, plot. Oh my god. Wow. So, like, some of the people from the, uh, like, the Mr. Peacock House, Reverend Peacock House. Yeah. Um, although it does say the fakir, a Japanese. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> the fakir, Jap- oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the fakir, Japanese Miss and Mrs. Snowball, the colonel, and the Maharaja secretary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, to be to to his credit, it's not. At least it's not like all, all Arabic people, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> like, like again, like it's not really worthwhile to just like point at this book and be like a racist, yeah. evil, like we know. Yeah, there's gonna be, there's gonna be later stuff where like he he dips. In and out of like anti-Semitic imagery, also, mm. um, and it's it's always very much like you can never really tell how much of it is just like him not reflecting what like the imagery for like villains used to be be at the time, right? Like, yeah, kind of how what what this feels like. Like it is like an international conspiracy, but he doesn't like 
you know, he doesn't like make them like explicitly like a Jewish conspiracy or whatever, but it, it does have like undertones of that. Like, but even though he would like definitely decline or, uh, yeah, he would definitely like disagree that it's like, or, or say that he, he has done like nothing problematic here. It's just like guys from all different places where he does have this weird like ring of like global conspiracy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like for as occasionally self-aware as this is, it's occasionally very unself-aware. Yeah. Like there's no consistency. Yeah. Um. Yeah, like in the plot, like Tintin has exposed a, a gang of international drug smugglers, and the the team again. Okay, so this is where like plot stuff kind of converges and happens. Like they, yeah, like they figure out the tomb was like their secret hideout. Like the Maharaja comes back because Tintin actually like put a dummy in his bed. Is this when the Pharaoh's son not fucking Pharaoh's Maharaja's son gets kidnapped? God, I don't know. I feel like he was Again, like everything happens so much in this yeah. book and it's really hard to talk about because there's not like a plot. Yeah, this final bit is like very hard to follow. <laughs> um but I I don't know when he learns about the kidnapped son, yeah. I think it's like yeah, so it's at the end of whenever. Tintin oh, has like... I see. Yeah, it so so it turns out that the Maharaja was actually because we had the bit where the fakir was shooting the Maharaja with the poisoned arrow, and then we didn't mm-hmm. learn what the consequences of that is. But then here, the Maharaja shows up and says, "Oh, it was a great idea to put a dummy in my bed because that's what he shot with the arrow." So we have that resolved. Um, mm-hmm. And then yes, that's when uh, like some servant says uh, the crown prince uh, has been... Yeah, the Maharaja's servant tells him that his uh, his son has been kidnapped. Uh, and that's when we get a car chase uh, with... Uh, in a car, we have the fakir and someone else. I wonder who this could be. Mm. Uh, but they're in the car and like this this other guy who is not the fakir, like he's wearing like a fedora and a jacket and it's, uh, you know, his face is always concealed, right? Yeah, and then they're doing yeah. like a car He's always chase like, back to the camera. Yeah, they're doing a car chase up a mountain, which is yeah. James there's white and snow. Remember jungle? <laughs> I don't know her. It's white and snow. <laughs> it's now, it's now a mountain. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's a funny bit at the start of the sequence where like Tintin gets in the car, the Thompson twins get on the back, and then Tintin drives off, and they just like block on the just back. Fall off. Um, in which the next panel, Tintin is like, oh, don't fall off, you guys. This is going to be pretty rough while his car is completely up to. Yeah, there's a car chase through a mountain. Um, They do like a fake car crash thing, which Tintin is not fooled by because he's a hero of an adventure novel. Um, (laughs) He like, he finds the the fakir like in the mountains, um, but the other guy kind of escapes. Yes. Um, the mysterious man in the green trench coat who yeah just kind of like he falls off a cliff and then Tintin finds the sun and that's that's it problem solved hmm. weird that the like supposed antagonist just like fell off a cliff and supposedly died that was that is weirdly unresolved yeah weird I'm sure it'll never come up again <laughs> I'm sure it will never come up again um, um yeah he finds the sun Brings the sun to the Maharaja and it's a happy ending. This is quite <laughs> this is quite sweet. Like there's a little drawing of the, the wee sun like dancing with Snowy, it's very cute. 
Yeah. The the newspaper image for uh for this drug gang having like there's there's this newspaper article that says drug gang smashed royal hostage free and then there's like a little write up about how reporter Tintin cracked the final link uh, blah blah and the image in the newspaper for this is just Thompson and Thompson falling on their faces. Extremely good. <laughs> Very good. Stuff. The characters ever. <laughs> um, and then obviously at the end there's like an elephant parade to to, to celebrate the the sun coming back and the case being cracked. Um, oh yeah, during the elephant parade they find uh, Dr. Sarcophagus and that other guy got shot by poison arrow in the crowd and they sort of rescue them. Um, but then it just kind of like ends. Like at the end they find the cigars of the pharaoh. Yay, the title of the book. Yeah, I'm doing the Leo DiCaprio point. <laughs> I love how much cigars the cigars of the, cigars of the pharaoh mattered throughout the entire thing. But yeah, like it, it's weird because like it kind of just ends sort of in the way that like a Bella Forest novel would end, uh-huh. where you just have to kind of get the next book to see what happens. Yeah. It really does. I mean, he's been writing them from week to week, so uh, yeah, it's, it's like it's weird. Like, point. sort of, there was a plot there at the end, but yeah. like it's we're not quite in plot territory yet. No. He doesn't know what that is yet. Yeah, I think the next one. Um, the Blue Lotus is like the first one where I remember that it like actually had a coherent plot. So. Yeah, yeah. My God, that took us so long to talk about, and I think it's just because there's not like a, you can't like yeah. just summarize the plot because so much happens. So hopefully, like the rest of them will be easier to talk we'll about uh, instead of just being like, uh, "This happens now." <laughs> I guess we have an hour forty episode in this one. It's fine. Um, oh. I mean, when we we can cut out the like fifteen minute production meeting at the start. Oh yeah, that's true. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, if we get a crisp hour and thirty, then then that's uh, that's fine. It's probably in territory <laughs> we'll have to end up being in them because it turns out these books are pretty long. Like just talking through all of the plot. It um, was okay. It like it was really short to read. Like I read yeah. this in about half an hour, and then everything that happened it immediately evacuated from my brain. <laughs> Apart from like three moments, most of which was. Tintin wrestling with tiger. <laughs> wrestling with tiger. <laughs> and like the sort of more interesting little incidents with the film and stuff. Yeah. Um but yeah, I would I would like to have more time to talk about like Hergé's batshit life. We will. There's some yeah. there's some cancelable stuff in there, but uh you know, he's dead, so it doesn't we're not giving him you know, by reading Tintin comics now, it's not like it's not like we're encouraging a bad guy or whatever. So yeah, fun. yeah. I there is like there is a Erge museum in Brussels that I kind of want to go to. I we we should go to it. We should. Uh fucking. Um, if next year, you know, again, because 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 this year we'll just hang out in Belfast. Uh, <laughs> maybe yeah. next year we'll manage to do a t- trip to Brussels. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is like this. Speaking... Tintin does have uh. like kind of a. Kind of an interesting place in culture that we'll we'll have to talk about later because it's like yeah. it is highly influential for comics, uh, just like Hergé's style. Um, yeah, but you know we can we'll talk about that more once that style actually like refines. Um, like I would be kind of interested to like see some other like Bondesine stuff, like other than like because Tintin and Asterix is the only like yes. 
French comics or European comics I've ever read. So I'd I've be interested read, uh, to like. I've read a bunch of others. I've read uh, Spiru, which is uh, Spiru is really good. Uh, it's it also has a ton of highly problematic stuff in it, but uh, that that one does have a very like. It actually has like the famous Link Claire style, right? Where it's like mm-hmm. these lines that uh, always like, you know, it's always very contained. Um, very uh, everyone has like this clear outline, I guess. And Franke has the the different has a different style where it's like really dynamic, and it's like he's using a lot of lines that um, yeah that show like you know a lot of dynamic range. That those were like the two main stuff. A lot of like the Bond SNA stuff is has this problematic element like it's not gonna get less problematic than this because it was all like that time um mm. so yeah there's i don't know if you've ever read lucky loop like it was written by the same guy no. who wrote asterix um, oh. but it's it's more problematic because it takes place in the wild west so it's like western parody uh, mm. but um has a lot of um has a lot of art that uh it's stereotypes um both black and native uh, people, so <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah, that was the guys of the Pharaoh. How would we? How would we rate this? I would give it one cigar out of five. Oh, really? Yeah, the one cigar is because it did eventually succeed in having a plot, and also yeah. Tintin did fight a tiger. <laughs> <laughs> Tintin did fight a tiger. I out of five, I think I would go for like two, two and a half uh, in that range. Um, I guess I'm being more forgiving for like the lack of plot, mainly because I remember how much less the previous ones had. Uh, yeah. So like as as kind of an establishing of like what Tintin is, like this this does feel like the first real Tintin story in, in, in many ways, which I appreciate and also in many bad ways which um we have talked about enough and we will talk about more but uh you know in in its context in in it being a a story written in the 30s like uh it's a strong two out of five i guess okay yeah i think a strong two out of because i was my my rating basis was like what can i give this and what i can give us is it did have a plot in the end and like that i can't think of anything else to give it it did have the puppy in the sarcophagus so that uh, oh fuck that was pretty that's pretty funny that bumps it up by a half star for me yeah to to, to well two and a half stars out of five is like halfway rating and i can't i can't go up to like 50 percent. i can't that's true. i can't go up there that's true just, just strong two out of five yeah yeah there were like a lot of other funny bits it's going to. I think the next one is gonna be better, and then there's gonna be. A I'm few, excited. There's gonna be one or two stray, uh, really problematic ones. But uh, I also I wanna I wanna find out more about Erge's Chinese friend who like yes. taught him about Taoism. We'll talk about telegraphy. him a lot in. Uh, yeah. In the next one, Blue Lotus. Is Maybe like that should really be our one. like problematic Erge moment segment. Yes. All right. Okay. Uh, plug your sh- plug your shit, Janos. Oh. How quickly can you plug your shit? Not very. Uh, I'm Janos. <laughs> follow me on Twitter at Janos Kapovari. Uh, read my book Heart Spell, uh, <laughs> uh, which I've written with my friends Robin and uh, Chaz under the name Arabella Woods. It's on Amazon. Uh, or listen to the podcast where we just read it called uh, Immortal Incantations Heart Spell. Uh, listen to my other podcast, uh, Who Watches the Watch, which is about Discworld. Um, 
A Song of Ice, a Song of Babies and Puppies, which is about A Song of Ice and Fire, uh, and Lynchpin, which is about um, David Lynch movies. And if you want to hear another podcast that me and Sarah did, listen to the Quote Killer Chronicles, which uh, which we talk about a bad book by Patrick Rothfuss. Just me and you talking about problematic media forever and ever. Forever. It's fun. Uh, yeah, I did Quizkiller Chronicles. I also do another podcast called Pod of Greed, which is about Yu-Gi-Oh! Um, which, is, which is, of course, how I know all about Orientalism. <laughs> <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh! Not very Orientalist, actually. Like, I think, I think that Edward Said would have liked Yu-Gi-Oh! if he knew what it was. Sure. Like, that's my, like, secret theory. That he would have liked it. Um... Anyway, yeah, I do that one. I also do another podcast about being in a cult, but not like a Jungle Klu Klux Klan type cult, like a good cult, which is oh, about Naruto kind of filler. Yeah, the good kind of cult where you watch Naruto filler and then you make up a religion based on it. So you should go and listen to Never Believe It from the very beginning. It's a fun ride. I feel like there's no way Edward Said was not at least aware of Yu-Gi-Oh! Because he was alive for it. And it was a big cultural thing. He might not have watched it, but he, I'm sure he was, like, at least vaguely aware of the cards. When did he die? Like 2003. In... Yeah. Mm. I mean, Yu-Gi-Oh came out in, like, 2001. When was Duel Monsters? Duel Monsters. 1990- oh, 1998 was the first one, yeah. And That's the Toei was one. the famous one. Uh, he might, yeah, it uh, might, he might just have missed it. I mean, it was, like... Big in like two thousand and yeah two and three. So yeah, we'll have to find out if Edward Said ever said <laughs> anything about Yu Gi Oh. <laughs> All right, listeners, thank you to thank you for listening to our uh, thank you for listening to tan 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 tan. It's so much <laughs> easier to say in the French pronunciation. It's it's so hard to say in like the English tin 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 tin. That's no, that's hard. I can't do it. It's tan 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 tan. Yes. Um, our uh, Edward Said companion podcast. <laughs> um, good night, everyone. Good night, take care. I thought you said. I thought you were going to say good night, dickheads. Good night, dickheads. Good night, dickheads. Rising up, back on the street.